curious to uh, understand the sermon or the answer, the defense of Stephen's uh, in Acts chapter 7. As you know, Stephen's was a man who was chosen to take care of the feeding program because the Greek widows <coughs> were overeating, <coughs> uh, were, were, were lacking, or overeating. Whatever the case was, uh, they were sort of uh, upset. But when uh, it comes to Stephen's, the Bible says he was a man full of the Spirit and a powerful uh, Christian and a, an anointed man. And he makes a defense. And so this week, and let me tell you how, how long is his defense so you can have an idea. Why am I teaching this whole week? If you go to chapter 7, it begins with uh, verse 1, and it goes all the way to verse uh, 60. There are 60 verses about what happened. And, of course, after that sermon, Stephen's was stoned to death. And so, I decided to, this week, to take time to talk about uh, what really uh, happened. But also, uh, why is it that uh, Stephen's sermon and Peter's sermon, because after Pentecost, Peter preached the sermon, after the healing of the, of the gate of the beautiful, the the lame, Peter preached another sermon. And in these sermons, uh, you have a, a, a tremendous amount of citing the Old Testament. Completely, just, just filled. Sermons, Peter's, uh, Peter's sermon is, 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 is so Old Testament. And so, uh, I have an idea that might be able to help us to come to a conclusion about this. But uh, one answer is to remind us as to what God has done. To remind us to what God has done. Because reminding us about what God has done is, 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 is good for the soul. It's strengthening you. Strengthen us. I keep on thinking about all that God has done in the last uh, week in our ministry and and I just can't stop talking about it. And if you know me, I'm bragging. I'm, I'm talking all the time. Uh, there's a, a word that I got from one of the political sites. Gloat. Gloat. I don't know what gloat means. And, and in, in essence, I haven't gone to the uh, dictionary. to, uh, But I'm gloating on the Old Testament. Amen. What God has done. So let's take a look. Another answer would be to activate the prophetic power of the Word. Let me repeat, because I believe the second answer here is the one. The first one, to remind us what God has done. But the second one is to activate the prophetic power of the Word. Meaning, the Word of God has power in it. After the disciples stopped preaching... Uh, stopped cooking and went on to preach the Word. Uh, and it says, uh, and the Word of God grew. The Word of God developed, meaning that 
that when you speak the word of God to others, well, let's give an example. In nine months that we have been on this channel, Lotterain.channel, channel, the numbers increase. Hundreds and hundreds of people are listening everywhere. And if for some reason, everybody wants to listen to the word. And we are busy, busy, busy with uh, 15, 20 new teachers. Pam Morrison, David Nutter, Arthur Drakenmiller, Gene Thomas, uh, Jerry Varnador, Dan Dunn, Cindy Fame, uh, David Ford, Frank Apparel, Steve Orion, Andy Hines, and Tom Wendell. These are just a few people that uh, have come to help us. And so we're broadcasting on this channel all the way to 12 o'clock. Every 30 minutes there's a speaker. And I'm just saying to you, the reason why this is happening is because when you deal with the Word, it, it begins to shake. It begins to grow. It begins to develop. Okay? So most weeks you're going to hear uh, uh, Betty McKinney. You're going to hear uh, uh, Rick Bonfim. You're going to hear John Dunn. You're going to hear Frank Appel. These are the four uh, speakers in Bible teachers that we have that I in staff. And of course the others you're going to hear through a connection in the internet. And, uh, and you got to hear that. You got to hear Gene Thomas ministering to you. It's quite exciting. So it is the reason why Peter cited the Old Testament. The reason why Stephen cited the Old Testament. is to activate the prophetic power of the Word. Meaning when you cite, when you speak, when you utter, you are confirming what God has already done by His sovereignty, His power. And, and, and so it is, it is a, a powerful thing. Now, I'm learning myself to experience uh, uh, this powerful truth by personal experience, uh, when, we, when we decided on this site, and as you know, we're in Athens, Georgia. Uh, Today is the 16th of, uh, of November of 2020. And uh, there's a man behind this studio uh, called Jason Goings. He's in Virginia. And, uh, and uh, they're part of our ministry and coming back to Georgia this, this fall. Then again, another man called Gene Thomas, uh, Gene, Gene Pearson. Gene Pearson came and set up the cameras that are, that are broadcasting this service to you, uh, from the, hanging from the ceiling. These, uh, these apparatus are not pretty, but they're very effective. And so, notice that, that the power of the Word is activating people to come and do things so we can improve the quality of the broadcast. Now, so these channels that we are going out throughout the world uh, are conduit to carry the power of the Word. We use Ustream. We use uh, Ustream as our main channel. And you can come into Ustream and you're going to find there the Word, 11,000 hours of the Word. So, so, to activate the prophetic power of the Word. I keep on saying this to you. In other words, when you begin to 
Look at the Old Testament and see what God has done and what God is doing. You are activating the power, the prophetic power of the Word of God. Not man, not personality, not size of the ministry, but the Word. And I want you to know that when the Word is beginning to do things, uh, then, then uh, it's a powerful thing. So, that is what the Holy Spirit did in the testimony of Stephen's. Now, if you want to know the response of the Sanhedrin, uh, if he make them that mad to stone him on sight, it must have been powerful. So this week, I want to look at this testimony. I have five teachings. Today is Monday. I'll be doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday just to spend time with you about this testimony because this testimony is a very powerful testimony because it activates the prophetic power of the Word. So, are you following me? Are you uh, with me? Can you hear and understand what I'm saying? you. I want to make sure that you are able to uh, uh, learn from this uh, experience. I don't want to go too fast. I want to slow down and ask you questions now and then uh, uh, because it's very important to me to activate when you cite the Bible, when you cite the Old Testament to what God has done and you say in the present what God has done in the past, you activate the power, the prophetic power of the Word of God. Okay. Now, the, the, the Stephen's sermons or, or responses, more of a testimony really, is divided into five areas. So I'll be teaching each day on each area, perhaps a little more or less. I don't know how many, how much, how many, I need to hurry here in order to get it done. So the first is Abraham and the Covenant. Acts 7, 1 through 8. The second, God working through Joseph in Egypt, which is Acts 7, 9 through 19. The third is Moses rescuing the people of God from slavery in Acts 7, 19, 37. The, the fourth is Israel rejecting the will of God in Acts 7, 38 to 49. And then finally, number five, Israel then rejecting the Messiah, rejecting Jesus as they crucified him, Acts 7, 49 to 53. And so we're going to look at this every single day this week. I hope that you're able to join me because this is very important. I'm going to say one more time what I've been saying to you. Uh, when you look what God has done and you repeat that, you activate the prophetic power of the Word of God. The Word of God has prophetic power in it. It's life. It's what God has done. It's what His, His whole presence with us means. What He's done at the cross. What He's done on the resurrection. What He's done on the ascension. What He's done. What He says He will do on the second coming. So it's not, a, not a, an easy thing to pass by and not pay attention to it. Now... I'm going to try to cover each session a little bit. It's 30 minutes. 
So, the first reading is Acts 7, 1 through 8. I don't know if anybody can read this for me in the studio this morning. Acts chapter 7, verses uh, 1 through 8. Okay. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Depart from your country and your relatives, and come into the land that I will show you. Then he departed from the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there, after his father died, God removed him into this country in which you are now living. And he, <clears throat> and he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground. And yet, even when he had no child, he promised that he would give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him. But God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be aliens in a foreign land and that they would be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. And whatever nation to which they shall be in bondage, I myself will judge, said God. And after that, they will come out and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. It's Acts chapter 7, 1 through 8. Now let's just look at one aspect of this scripture. And if you really begin on Genesis 15, and I want to call your attention on verse 1. That's a piece of Acts 7. Verses 1 through 8, referring to the covenant with Abraham. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram. Meaning that God was speaking to him in a vision. One of the four ways God spoke to his prophets. Numbers 12, 6 says, if I be a prophet among, if there's a prophet among you, I will speak to him in a vision, and I'll also speak to him in a dream. And so I want to open that possibility, because we're, we're talking about uh, 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 Abram, but eventually, uh, uh, tomorrow, I'll talk about Joseph. And Joseph had dreams, and he interpreted dreams. So you see, there's a pattern of the Word of God expressing itself in Joseph, today in Abraham. And today on you, because many of you have dreams and visions. So, verse 7 on Genesis 15, And he the Lord said unto him, Abram, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the end of, out of the Ur of the Chaldeans uh, to give you this land to inherit. And he said, Lord, whereby shall I know that I will inherit? Whereby shall I know? I want to know. Tell me what I need to do. Tell what you're going to give me. At this point, the prophetic of God begins to prepare Abraham for receiving a powerful word. This is what Joseph is saying. He's talking about What's going to happen uh, uh, on, the, on, the, on the testimony of God to Abraham in the covenant, in the relationship? Go, to, go to, uh, back to Acts chapter 7. 
verses verses 1 to 8. Get thee out of your country and from your kindred and come in the land which I shall show you. He's referring to the Ur of the Chaldeans. And of course, God is taking him of the Ur of the Chaldeans, which is in Iraq, southern Iraq, 350 miles to Haran. From this, when his father was dead, he removed him in this land where... So, in other words, when... Uh, when he arrives to the, in the land of the Chaldeans, God began to deliver to him this covenant, this promise. Okay? But God is preparing him to receive this promise. And when the prophetic is about to happen, it's always pointing toward the presence of God. So, here's something we learn. And this is what Stevens is saying. He's preparing the environment so God can begin to talk to Abram. And, uh, and he is referring to that as a testimony to the Sanhedrin or the Jewish leaders of that time. But I want you to pay attention that when God is about to reveal something important, He will prepare you to receive. He will, he will, uh, he will slow things down. He will, he will put you in a mood. He will uh, try to, to get your attention. So in Genesis 15, 9, is when uh, God begins to tell Abraham exactly what needed to be done. Now pay attention to this, because it's very important. You see, uh, you and I live in 2020, you know, uh, 21st century. And we're here Christians in Georgia. We believe the Word of God. Uh, I have a, uh, uh, you probably say, Rick, uh, uh, you're a very conservative man. Well, but I, I feed 3,000 meals a month. Anybody who feeds 3,000 people to eat is supposed to be liberal. So l right there you just, you just, uh, you just, uh, uh, just lost me on that. Uh, don't call me liberal, charismatic, automatic, fanatic. I, I'm a Christian in evolution, a Christian that is growing and developing. And I'm trying to tell you today that to activate the prophetic power of the Word, it's important that you understand the Word and see what God is doing. And so I'm speaking of what God did. Verse 9, chapter Genesis 15. And he, the Lord, said unto Abram, Look at this. Take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, why would God do that? You know, what is He doing? Why do He want all these animals? You ever thought about that? You know, a lot of things God does that we don't understand why He did it, but He did it. Now, let's take a look. The heifer, three years old, is the priestly office of Christ. The priestly office of Christ. The she-goat is the kingly prophetic office. So first, he's a priest. Second, he is a prophet. The ram is the kingly office of Christ. So he is the king. So Jesus is first the priest, second the prophet, third the king. Now he's preparing, this is how God does, he's preparing Abram to experience, and so he is uh, prophesying, activating the prophetic power of his word into centuries ahead of time. 
The turtle dove is Jesus being led of the Holy Spirit. And the young pigeon obey the Holy Spirit at all times. The, 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 the young pigeon is a very tender, soft, gentle little bird. You know, at the mission in Brazil, now and then when I'm teaching Bible study there, you look behind the tree and there's two or three white little pigeons there. And they're very gentle, very tender. Okay? And so, and so what I'm saying to you is that he is prepared. The covenant had to come only when Abram moved in the power of the Spirit and did exactly as, as God instructed him to do. Okay? He, he offered those animals unto God as a <coughs> as a as an offering of obedience. So here's what happens. Remember now. First, he had come from the earth of the Chaldeans, 350 miles north. You know, uh, uh, Abram had uh, uh, what 300 men in his party. Moved slow in camels and tents. And uh, 350 miles. He was 75 years old when this began to happen. By the way, he lived until he was 175. But now he's 75. He's got 100 years to let God fulfill his call in his life. So as soon as he got the animals, the Lord says, uh, Abram. Here's your God, your Father, said, cut in half the heifer. Cut right in the middle of the head, all the way to the tail. Quarter, ha half of it. Then do the same uh, with the ram. And do the same uh, with the goat. And do the same with the ram, but not the animals. And make each part put together making a tunnel underneath, touched each part to each half, but open it up. Meaning, leave a channel underneath. Now, we're in Genesis 15, and I'd like for you to go to channel to verse 12. And I don't know who's going to read for me, but I'd like for you to read it. And, uh, and, uh, Genesis fifteen twelve. I want you to pay attention to this. Go ahead. And when the fowl, fowls came down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. Oh, in verse 12, I'm sorry. And then the sun was going down. A deep sleep fell upon Abram. Now, why, why would a deep sleep fall on Abram? It's because God is preparing Abram to receive. Before God revealed His presence, did it happen to somebody in the 21st century? Everybody. All of you who had an experience with God and turned wild as, as me. <laughs> you had an experience with God. And by the way, do not let anyone alive put that down and steal it from you. Don't you, don't you sell the promise. Keep firm and steady and strong. 
that you are a child of God, heir of the kingdom. And because you had an experience with Jesus, it doesn't make you better than anybody else, but you had an experience with Jesus. And if you had an experience with Jesus, live it. And peanut butter to those who don't receive you or care about you. You haven't been called to be a popsicle. Listen to this. Abram prepares him and puts a, 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 a deep sleep upon him. And then what? Um, and then a horror of great darkness fell upon him. It represents what Israel would have to go through in order to fulfill the will of God because from as he comes down with the twelve tribes, and Jacob is his, his, his dear son, and all the twelve tribes, the twelve uh, nations, he goes to Egypt and becomes slaves for 400 years. And so, in the revelation of God, there had to be how God is going to accomplish His purpose. Listen, God's purpose is going to be accomplished, and there's not a single person, Congress, Senate, there's no one alive in America or the world. There's no one in China or USSR. There's no anyone in South America or in Europe that can handle the plan of God and stop the plan of God for this world. God is preparing this world to receive His Son. And He will do all kinds of things. So I'm prophesying to you, you better watch. Don't you worry about the Democrats. Don't you worry about the Republicans. Worry about Jesus. Because he's on a path to bring to America what America needs to do. So, and he said unto Abram, Know of a surety, know for sure that your seed shall be in a stranger in a land that is not theirs, Egypt, and shall serve them, Egypt, and they shall afflict them 400 years, Egypt. Why would God do that for 400 years? Well, 400 years pertain to the, to the time from the weaning of Isaac to the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt bondage. The time frame covered the time both in Canaan before it belonged to them, Egypt as well. I'm reading from the, from the uh, uh, verse 13 commentary in my Bible. So what I'm saying to you is that God instructs Abraham to do exactly and reveals to him. First, he prepares him, and then he instructs them. Now notice God speaking to Abraham four generations. That's verse 12. Then on verse 16, it says, But in the fourth generation they shall come uh, uh, hide it again, for the iniquity of the rights is not full yet. What is that God is doing here? The Amorites were in the land of Canaan. They were the most rude, the most evil people that met the eyes of God. And God was patient with the Amorites until their time had come. Before Joshua could come in and, and erase the land. So God is... So, so just a word for you this morning. When you think about the mercy of God, the kindness of God... Think about God's kindness to the Amorites. Think about how He loved the Amorites. Think about how He cared for them and waited. 
But look, let's count. He's talking about four generations before God could do something. The count begins when the sons of Jacob were born. The first generation begun with the Levi. The second generation, the Kohath. The third generation, Amram. The fourth generation, Moses. So Moses would lead them out of the Egypt bond. And I want you to know that that is how God operates. That's how God grows. Now let's take a look at verse 16 before we close. What it means is that uh, the repentance of God towards you is bigger than His love for the Amorites waiting for them. Because it says, it says on verse 16, For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. When you think about judgment, think about Job's friends were wrong when they thought that God immediately brings judgment on sinners. God didn't bring judgment on sinners. God was kind and patient. In fact, He is patient and long-suffering. And however, He is also just. And in, 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 in the judgment will eventually come, but first He expresses a desire that you will repent. And when you repent, the mercy and the grace and the kindness of God just comes all over your life, and you become a new creature in Christ. By the way, if God could love the Amorites, which are horrible people. Why not loving us? The Lord bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm on page six and I'm through. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't. I, 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 now tomorrow I'm going to talk about. Uh, well, we talk about tomorrow when I get there. But I think it has to do with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it has to do with uh, God working through Joseph in Egypt. God working through Joseph in Egypt. See you. Into the promised land, in boundless love and mercy, He gave His only Son, who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh, God's mercy so amazes me As I watch the world around me I can see His mighty hand Delivering His people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken From the seed of Abraham And led them through the wilderness Into the promised land